Hello and welcome to Exploring with Conservation X Labs, a podcast in which we dive into the extra yet ordinary journeys of people innovating for our planet. I'm your host, Maria, and today I'll be talking to Robert Heinecke, the founder and CEO of Breeze Technologies, a company that provides hyper-local air quality and climate data through smart, affordable sensors, as well as environmental intelligence for corporates and cities. Hi, Robert. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Great to be here. It's a pleasure. Let's imagine a world in which Breeze Technologies helps to combat air pollution. How do you see the world changing like, because of this? What has to be done to get there? For me, that's, that's really an incredible vision and one that we've been working for now for the last six and a half years. So, I mean, on the one side, thinking about how our system is going to be deployed globally, in all our cities, we are going to have transparency as citizens about what is actually going on in the air around us, right? So we are going to have hyper-local information about air quality, about air pollution developments. And on the other side, it's also going to put a lot of transparency on municipal and political decision makers, because we actually see in data how their decisions, how their policies affect our environment, the air that we breathe every day. Um, and even for them, it's going to make life easier because for the first time they have quantifiable impact measurements about how well their policies are performing, how well their um, urban planning works in, in, well, in, in reality, in, in, in the air quality that we see every day. And it's going to also give them indications about where they need to adjust, how they might be driving clean action plans, how they might be doing urban planning, or also um, how to do traffic management, for instance, in a city, right? Traffic is one of the key components of the, uh, the air polluters. So by managing traffic efficiently based on data sets, and there's a lot of examples for that, you're also able to positively impact air quality in the end. It's going to make us more informed about what's going on, and that is also going to empower each and every one of us to both protect ourselves, but also to demand and actually to afford a change for the better in regards to the air that we are breathing. I really love that because you really connected solving air pollution with our daily lives and not only just our own health, which obviously will improve significantly once air pollution is solved, but how do you really see that impacting other fields um, of environmental challenges? You mentioned health already, and I just want to start with that because it's obviously also one of the major concerns. Studies have shown that if you live in areas of higher levels of air pollution, you have a higher likelihood of strokes, you have a higher likelihood of heart attack. Um, people that live uh, close to uh, busy roads have a higher risk of suffering from dementia. On days with lower levels of, of air pollution, actually hospitals have way less uh, ER patients. So there's a direct correlation, a real-time correlation between air pollution levels and the individual health of each and every one of us. But even going beyond that, looking to more a, a kind of overarching environmental and societal uh, impact, 
air pollutants as we look at them, for instance, ozone and uh, particulate matter, dust in the air, um, are also climate pollutants. So when we're talking about uh, climate change and uh, actually avoiding the emissions that we cause as humanity, in turn, we also need to talk about actually reducing the direct air pollution that we have in our cities and um, the emissions that we cause every day with vehicles, with heating, with industry and other sources. So I mentioned ozone, it's number three actually of the anthropogenic, so human-made uh, greenhouse gases. Uh, dust, black carbon absorbs and scatters light in the atmosphere and thereby heats it up. If we want to solve uh, climate change, then we also have to solve um, the air pollution topic. And I always like to paint this picture of global warming actually being the fever of our planet and the air pollution is the kind of bacteria or viruses that, that are getting into our atmosphere and causing these, uh, these, these more long-term effects then. You know firsthand how pressing the issue of air quality is. And could you tell me, out of all the issues out there, what drew you to solving this one? Why is air pollution your challenge you've chosen to, to battle? I started working uh, on bridge technologies in the beginning of 2015, and that was actually after a stay I had in, in Istanbul, in Turkey. Uh, I was working in IT and strategy consulting before. I had a couple of months of stay in Turkey, and this was for me where I experienced heavy urban air pollution for the first time. During some days there, you could barely see the other side of the street anymore, just because the uh, the air pollution was so terrible. Uh, you had coal ovens, people were heating with, a lot of traffic in, in Istanbul, a lot of traffic problems, as well as also inversion weather, which in turn uh, causes uh, well the, the uh, smog over the city to accumulate. So seeing this problem firsthand and uh, experiencing air pollution as something so tangible really had me starting to uh, dig deeper into the topic and trying to figure out, hey, what's going on here? Why, 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 what, where is the cause of this and, and what's happening? And I was really frustrated by the lack of data that existed back then, both data about how air quality, how air pollution was actually developing over time, but then also background information about where is it actually coming from and, and what does it mean? How does it impact me as, as a person? Um, and uh, digging deeper, I found that the, the monitoring technologies, and that was the reason why there was so little data available, the monitoring technologies that cities use nowadays uh, foremostly are based on paradigms from the 60s and 70s. So we have these big, bulky air quality monitoring monstrosities sitting on our roadsides that are just incredibly expensive and take a lot of space. So we only have that in a, in a few selected points in our cities, but that has been the status quo for the last 30, 40 years. And of course, anybody that has worked with data before uh, knows trying to make decisions based on just a handful of data points that don't necessarily need to reflect the reality in all of the yeah, kind of space that you have to do this decision for, like, like a city, for instance, it's, it's not really a good way to make decisions, right? So um, I thought, okay, we had these incredible advances in, uh, in technologies, Internet of Things, artificial intelligence, cloud. Why can't we use that to revolutionize how we think about both air quality monitoring, 
but then also in turn, when we have more data available, using these data sets to actually drive um, urban planning, urban decision-making, as well as then also informing the public much better about what's going on and how they can participate in cleaner action. And I heard that it goes much beyond that. The technology could identify wildfires and do much more than inform about air quality, which is already a huge step forward. Could you tell us more about this way of identifying wildfires and and the potential uh, of the technology for this use? Creating the technology to capture air quality data in a much more efficient way was actually just the first step for us. So it was our, our kind of first technological wave that we that we developed but then it also became about um, actually using the data to facilitate better decision making for the cities for the industries that we are working with now um, something that we're developing in collaboration with the US uh, Department of Homeland Security SNT um, which is basically a tool for first responders, fire departments, and others um, where we use the existing air quality data sets to identify fingerprints of of starting igniting wildfires. So obviously fires cause air pollution and they cause air pollution in a certain way. So by seeing that in the data of the air quality monitoring stations and sensors that we have deployed, we can see okay, over here, we have a high likelihood that this emission pattern that we are seeing is actually a fire that is just starting. And I think that similar to this, um, we are going to discover even more use cases for these air quality data sets that we now have in the future. And um, we're also relying a bit on the fantasy of other businesses that have the domain knowledge for their uh, individual industries to know, okay, how, how, what, what else can we do with the data? Um, just to give one other example, together with a Finnish company, uh, we actually developed an app called uh, Healthy Places, which is a, a map and routing app that helps you as a pedestrian to get from A to B while exposing yourself to as little pollution as possible. So that helps particularly uh, asthmatics, other chronically ill people to avoid areas of, of high air pollution in our cities. Uh, but it also helps uh, young mothers of children and, and other groups that just want to protect themselves from these places with the highest air pollution in our cities. I was just going to ask you about your coolest partnerships and you read my mind. So let me ask you, what are the customers that you wish you had, but you don't have now? Who could use your technology that isn't using it that much now? At the moment, we are mostly working with cities and sometimes also with industry. And I would wish that capturing hyperlocal air quality data and also other environmental data on a hyperlocal scale uh, doesn't only have to be about air quality, actually becomes the standard for countries, right? So that it wouldn't be just uh, going city by city anymore, but actually that the environmental department of the country would actually say, okay, this is this has to become part of our strategy. And we need to have a, a network of uh, monitoring stations uh, throughout our uh, our state territories. And then of course we are we are going to reach a much higher society impact because suddenly you're not only maybe comparing one city with another or even just one district in a city with another district, but you actually can start 
to see air quality management much more holistically. Uh, maybe we identify three more four cities that have fairly similar issues and that also want to want to procure fairly similar solutions. And it's going to become so much more efficient for them to do so if they actually do it together. Um, and if they are using the data also to learn from each other and learn from their successes, which is something that we also started to work on building this catalog of cleaner actions of solutions that can actually help to remedy high levels of air pollution and where we're also trying to establish a learning cycle from, from city to city. The, the data sets and the information that we, are, that we are going to provide help to not only put transparency on the topic, but actually improve it. What I'm hearing again and again is that you find your work so hopeful. You see so much hope in the impact that you can have. And I, I, I join you in this. I see a lot of hope in, in your technology. If you were to talk to a bunch of social entrepreneurs out there about your company and about the lessons you've learned while, you know, making it happen, what would you really want to share? I'm having a hard time picking out, you know, just one or two learnings because as an entrepreneur, of course, you're learning every day, right? Every day you encounter something new that you haven't learned uh, or haven't haven't seen before. And you just need to figure out how to do it. And uh, I mean, that is actually also one of the reasons why I started on this journey. I asked myself, okay, where can I actually learn the most? Where can I personally grow the most? And, and starting your own companies, becoming an entrepreneur was the answer to that. And it's incredibly rewarding to see the impact of what you're doing, um, to get, you know, emails from citizens that just thank us for the good work that we are doing and thanking us for, for instance, the transparency that we put on the air quality in the neighborhood, and thereby also enabling these, this, this, this kind of societal transformation and the, the change of actually being able to demand from their elected officials that there should be something done about it. If I have to give any advice to budding entrepreneurs, it would be not to let others demotivate you, try it out. And um, of, of course, you're going to encounter failures. And, you know, it's uh, entrepreneurship is a series of ups and downs. But especially these, uh, yeah, these, these rewarding times, the ups of your, of your journey make it worth it just so much. The only other advice would be really to try to reach out to other entrepreneurs in the space, to, to entrepreneurs that maybe are, let's say a year or one and a half years ahead of you in the kind of life cycle of their startup and just take them out for, for lunch, ask them all the questions that you have and uh, try just to learn as much as possible in, in as little time as possible. Um, I think, um, especially in this in the social impact scene, um, we're all very supportive of each other. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's always great to have an ecosystem of, of people that are all working towards the common good of, of people in the future. That, that's really great advice. Thanks for sharing that. I think people underestimate how much people want to share and how cool mentoring is. I always uh, end my interviews here on exploring with the question, what are you hoping to explore next? I think for me personally, um, I mean, I, I don't think the journey of, of Breeze Technologies is going to end in the next years, right? So I, I'm having a lot of fun in what I'm doing. We're having 
so much success in actually delivering to societal impact that we're trying to bring to the world. And we, we have just started. We are now active in 11 countries with projects. Uh, we just started, for instance, in Japan, uh, together with Mitsubishi Electric Corporation to do some projects in, in Osaka. Uh, we are having our growing uh, business in the US with, with several uh, partners and actors. Um, I just want to see that grow for now, and especially growing also our partner ecosystem is something that um, now that we have reached, you know, a, a certain size, um, we are we don't have to focus just on you know selling our solution and actually proving that the technology works, but actually we can also think more about long-term partnerships where we use the data that we have in conjunction with other companies' solution, like for instance a a company, a startup, or even a corporate that has a traffic management platform to funnel in our data and, and use that to, to derive uh, yeah, routing decisions for, for vehicles. Um, so that is something that I'm currently heavily invested in, just, just building this ecosystem of cleaner actors, of, of partnerships. And uh, that also goes out to all the listeners uh, of this podcast. Um, just if you have you know any solution that can positively improve air quality in a building, in a city, in any sort of ecosystem, please do not hesitate to reach out. I would love to talk to you and see if we can establish some sort of partnership together. We're going to attach your email to the episode notes. Please look in the episode notes. That's really cool. I hope people reach out to you because, yeah, the more people, the merrier. And in the social entrepreneurship space, uh, it's always possible to share ideas because they lead to action. And uh, I think that you're well on your way to achieving your dream uh, and what you want to explore next is just so naturally... Um, the future for me like that's that's just gonna happen people will want to solve like their air quality problems in their city and beyond that Um, so I wish you all the best of luck I thank you for all the insights you've shared today it was great to talk to you thank you for having me the podcast exploring is made possible by conservation x labs a technology and innovation company creating new solutions to prevent the sixth mass extinction. Subscribe to our podcast and visit conservationxlabs.com to learn more. Thanks for tuning in.